I'm really excited. I'm excited about today. I'm, I'm excited about the next 30 minutes as we look at a great topic and see what the Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives through that. I'm excited uh, to talk about Easter. Easter's coming. Can you believe that? Uh, we're putting in a lot of work right here. This is our theme. Um, we, are, uh, we are looking at, we're calling the whole Easter day, the beautiful one. It's all about Jesus on Easter. And uh, I want you to bring someone you love. I want, I want you to bring someone you just met. I want you to bring someone who's hurting. I want you to bring a human being. I want you to bring yourself, because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to heal in powerful ways on Sunday as we exalt the Lord Jesus. And if you've ever battled with failure, if you know somebody who can't quite get themselves back up uh, because of something that they have done, this is going to be the day where the Holy Spirit truly heals them by looking at Jesus Christ. Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus, but it's also about our resurrection, Daily as we fail and Jesus' love picks us up and heals us and uh, makes us more like him. That's what the whole day will be about. So you should, have, uh, you should have one of these beautiful cards in your bulletin here. And on the back, there's several different services or gatherings that we have. Good Friday is coming up. I want you to mark your calendar for that. We're going to meet downstairs this year. And we're going to have a beautiful and deep and worshipful and intimate night together as a church. And uh, maybe you're just visiting with us. Uh, for the first time. That's great. Thank you for coming. Come to Good Friday. Get to know someone. But we need that night. We need the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts on that night. And then Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're just going to blow the roof off it and just see some powerful things happen. So line someone up. Um, This is a commitment card for you to tuck in a Bible, to put on a fridge, to put uh, in your iPad case or whatever. And uh, it's just uh, to remind you to be praying for this day, for something powerful to happen. Uh, to be praying that God would bring someone into your life that you could invite to this day. But come join us for a very special Easter week. <clears throat> now, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. How many of you are aware of that? How many of you have no clue what that is? It's all good. We're all about grace here. Well, we're going to have a great time next Sunday as we enter the Easter season talking about Palm Sunday. And it will be a very practical message that you'll be very, very blessed with. We are continuing our follow series, and uh, this is going to be a bit of a stop for probably six weeks or so. Um, We're ending this this prayer of of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew's gospel, and it's been beautiful. It's been powerful. I'm hearing about miraculous things happening through prayer uh, through this series. I'm hearing about uh, people being healed in their hearts. I'm hearing about amazing things coming undone just in our Sunday service in the middle. You probably didn't see it, but right in the middle of our Sunday service, God answered a prayer and did something absolutely miraculous that I can't tell you about, but just know that God is alive and well and doing incredible things. Yeah. Pretty excited about that, but we'll stop uh, after this Sunday and and enter into the, the Easter season. So as we're going into this follow series in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to grab a Bible, a pew Bible, you can turn there. Again, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer and the power of prayer. We need prayer. And if you're here and you're like, man, my prayer life is fizzled and, and I, I need a starting point. I don't even know how to pray. It's been a long time since I prayed. Well, I'm going to give you a prayer to start this journey today as we look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. But first, let me ask you a question. Now, you be honest, Okay. How many of you are going through a trial? Any trials out there? Come on, every hand should be up. Well, let's do this for the sake of humility and love and joy and being just radically transparent and human. Everybody raise their hands. 
Because if you're not going through a trial, this sermon is going to start a trial for your life. <laughs> no, it, it should heal you. Uh, but that's really what I'm anticipating through this, is I want you to see trials differently. I want you to bring the God concept, the idea of God and the dimension of God. I want it to come crashing into your trial. And by the time we're done today, I want your trial to, to be so thrashed by God that it looks like something completely different, and you're able to take that trial and do something powerful with it. That's the aim in the next 35 minutes, or however the Holy Spirit does this. Now, maybe you've felt like the psalmist in Psalm 42. Um, he says, your waves crash over me, O Lord. Your waves crash over me, O Lord. And that's such a great description. I'm, a, I'm an ocean guy growing up in Seattle and, of course, moving here and being in, in Daly City and San Francisco, being around the ocean. There's nothing like sitting out in that majestic body of water and watching those Waves crash, but the psalmist says that's like trials. That can feel like life at times, like one after another. And if you've ever messed around in, in the ocean or whatever and, and kind of wrestled in the ocean with your friends and they've kind of pushed you under, you know, I don't know why we play like that, but uh, kind of pushed each other under. It's kind of a staggering thing when one wave hits and then you, you try to take a breath and another, another wave hits and another and pretty soon you're like, man, I got to get out of this. I'm, I'm struggling to breathe right now. And the psalmist says that's a lot like trials. Life can feel like it's one after another after another and you're, you're gasping for air. Anybody with me on that? And if you're in a season where you're like, man, God, God is especially good right now. You're going to need this in your back pocket one day. Life has so much beauty to it. I think the, the older I get, uh, just turned 29, you, you are not supposed to laugh at that. Uh, no, but the older I get, the more, the more I see the beauty in life, the more I see um, great things like love uh, and see God in, in all that he creates and God in, in people like you and I, I experience the heart of people and I experience answers to prayer and what it is to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and just beauty in life everywhere we look. But no matter how hard we try to put life together. Trials are part of our story. It's a part of my story. And unfortunately, as I take the book of, of my life, Psalm 139, and I find that chapter that, that's entitled Trials, I can't rip it out. It's a part of my story. It's a part of who I am. It's, it's a part of the narrative of being a human being. And let me just ask you a question, and you're not allowed to say anybody's name. What's the hardest part about a trial? Just think about that. What's the hardest part about being in a trial? I mean, there you are. You're faced with it. You get the phone call or, or you know, if you're like me, like I get six good hours in a day and then all of a sudden out of, out of nowhere, I'll be overwhelmed with this thought of something that may happen in my life. And it's, like, it's the self-induced like trial that begins to hit me. But process that because in, in answering that question, we're going to find solutions. What's the hardest part about a trial? I think for me, it's finding purpose in it. You see, if you think about the trial that you're in, if there's no purpose in the trial, man, that's a hopeless situation. But if you can find purpose in a trial, it will create endurance and even hope, and you will be willing to even stay under the load. But if you're going through something and you don't know why, man, that is a very dangerous and scary place to be. Why? It's the why question. Now you think about tragedies that happen, and the, the first thing that people spit out is why. 
Maybe you're here and your marriage is on the rocks or something like that, or you guys are struggling. You're like, why am I going through this? Why? Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you're single and you're thinking, why? Still, why? Maybe you, maybe you just made it through midterms by the skin of your teeth and you're saying, why? Wherever you're at in life, that's the hardest part about suffering and, and going through hard things, going through trials, is not understanding the purpose behind them. I mean, if, if you're given bad news about something and you can't find purpose in it, man, that's like spiritual suicide. What do you do with that? Now it's just pain. And if you're here, you guys, and, and you're not a Christian, number one, I'm super glad you're here. But I want you to process what I'm saying. I want you to let God speak to your heart. If you're here and you're not a Christian, if you don't believe in an intimate God, a personal God who's involved in the human life, suffering is just proof that life is absolutely worthless. I mean, if there's, if there's no purpose behind people suffering and there's no God involved at all, this is a hopeless reality. But if you can, just wrestle with this thought for a minute. If you can bring the God concept into this and maybe, just maybe there is purpose behind this and God is doing something and there's, there's more than I think behind the scenes of my trial, then your life can change. And, and even if you are a Christian, you know, and, uh, and if you're like me, you blank out when you begin to go through these trials. You begin to go through these hard times. It's very easy to forget about God. I go into militant mode. I begin to systematically strategize on how I can put all the pieces together when I go through suffering or a trial, and I forget about God. We've got to have God, Almighty God, the God of love and God of hope and God of miracles, absolutely sack our trials, bust into them, invade them, and spin them, and show us that there's not only purpose, there's ultimate purpose, and it's the very thing that's making you like Jesus Christ. But we're going to have to be reminded of that today. So guys, if we can see the spiritual dimension, and it's so hard being these these finite human beings robed in flesh with just these physical eyes, if we can somehow allow the spiritual life of God to crack open, if we can see behind the scenes of a trial, we can see the purpose of God behind it, and we can hold on to all that God is doing in the trial, now the trial becomes a tool, a tool to grow us. Now you are using the trial. You see, I hate the idea that the trial is using me, and just like the ocean, it's battering me. But I want to use the waves as a source of energy and flow with it. What if we can find the purpose of God in the trial and begin to use it for our own advantage and good? I believe that's true in light of Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, how many of you guys work out? What a terrible thing to ask on a Sunday. We're here to worship and eat. But seriously, how many of you guys work out? Here's the weird thing about that. Every one of you has chosen to endure something that hurts for the benefit of what it promises to bring, like working out. This doesn't feel good, but I know there's purpose behind it. And if I keep doing it, I'm going to get these, uh, these benefits. I'm going to get this outcome. And see, that's the same thing we got to do with God in, in whatever trial you're involved in. If we can bring God into it, all of a sudden we, we begin to have this endurance that says, if I can endure this thing... I know the outcome is going to be glorious, but if you don't have that, if there's a hole there and you're just suffering to suffer, man, it's going to be a very hard journey. So what is God trying to do in your trial? He's trying to speak to us. Any C.S. Lewis fans out there? Every hand should be up. 
It was Lewis who so brilliantly said, it's God who shouts in our pain. What is he trying to say to you? What does he want you to see? How does he want you to flip it and use it for your own good? And when we turn to Matthew 6 and this amazing talk on the hill, as Jesus gathers his guys around, this is what he's doing. He's seeing his guys. There's 12 of them. And and I want you to visualize it. I try to do this every week. I want you to see it. I want you to see Jesus Christ on this, uh, this dusty, rocky hill. And I want you to see thousands at the base of that hill. And I want you to see Jesus very methodically and control the Lord over time and movement. Begin to walk up that hill and leave the thousands behind as they're, they're trying to clamor for him. And they're trying to see him. And I want you to see him beckon 12 of his followers. And I want you to become one of them. Go in the crowd with the 12. And up you come. You, you know the wave of the Lord's hand. That's all you need. You trust it. You know it's love. You know it's guidance. And he just waves to us and he says, come on. And he knows you're struggling. He knows I'm struggling as we walk up that dusty hill. And maybe he finds a nice flat rock to sit on. And he takes the posture of a rabbi. And he sits down and he says, I just want you to forget about everything. And I want you to sit around me. And I want to talk to you. And I want to do something with what you're worried about. I want to do something with the trial. These guys are banged up. Uh, they're struggling. Uh, they, they don't know where to turn. And if you look at Matthew 6, and you look at verse 31, this is what was going on in their minds. This is what they were struggling with as they tried to follow Jesus. And you got to remember, they left their jobs, and, and they left their loved ones, and they didn't have much to eat. And this isn't just a saying in a vacuum here. Jesus is saying this because they're, they're struggling. They're in trials. He says, therefore, do not be anxious. Like, yeah, real easy for you, Lord. What about us, you know, like down here? I'm anxious like every other hour. And he goes, don't be anxious. And it's like, Lord, I hope you've got something for me to grab onto because I don't get how to do that. Saying, what should we eat? Quit worrying about where, where food's going to come from or what should we drink? Quit worrying about how you're going to sustain your life or, or what shall we wear? Stop asking that. Trust in me. Lord, we're suffering. We, we don't know what to do. And he calls them up and he gathers around into this very intimate, loving place. And he goes, trust me. I'm doing something in the trial. Look at Matthew 6, 13. He begins to teach them a prayer. He says, guys, if you're going to do something with this trial, if it's not going to buckle you and fold you and you're going to take it and you're going to be empowered to flip it and use it for your own gain to grow into my image, then here's what I need you to do. I need you to learn a prayer. And within this prayer, when you feel anxious and you're faced with that trial come Monday, guys, I want you to pray this prayer and I want you to think about it. When you pray this prayer, the Holy Spirit's going to do something in your brain, in your soul, in your heart. He's going to ignite Faith and power and remembrance and healing. Anxious one. So in the middle of this beautiful prayer, and you got to remember when God speaks, things come to life. Dead things come to life. So he says in 613, and when you're anxious, when you're in the trial, when you're suffering, you need to pray this. Lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. What are you talking about there, Lord? What do you mean? What does that have to do with my trials? I don't, I don't understand this. Packed in verse 13 
is the very strategy to take your trial and to turn it on its head and to put God in the middle of it and grow from it and use it to move you forward in life. So I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you two thoughts. I want everyone to write them down, put them in an iPad or a phone, tweet them. Just uh, make sure you tell them where it came from. Just kidding on that, Lord Jesus. But I want you to put these things down. I'm going to give you two things that are packed into that verse on how we need to begin to look at our trials and the way we're responding to them and find some power and healing in our trials. What are you saying packed in that little prayer in verse 13, Lord Jesus? Well, here's the first thing that the Lord Jesus is saying to us. When the trial comes, and maybe it's here, maybe you're really suffering from it. It's not too late. You can still pray this prayer. Here's what Jesus is saying. When the trial comes, pray this. Lord, help me not to look to sin to find relief from the trial. Because after all, that's, that's the first thing I try to do. <laughs> We're not made for pain. And when we go through hard times, we want relief. Amen? And Jesus is saying, look, I understand that you don't understand why you're in the trial. And I understand it hurts. And I understand no one wants to keep their hand on, a, on an oven or a, a burner. You want to you relieve yourself from pain. I understand this. You're going to try to find comfort in places you don't need to go when you're going through trials. And I want you to pray that you don't do it. I want you to think about trials. When I, when I talk about trials, I want to be super sensitive because I know there's people who are really suffering here. But most trials are somewhat neutral. They're just things, you guys. They're just these abstract things. And you're like, buddy, you and I got to talk because I just lost my job. That's not a thing. That's a bad thing. Just bear with me here. I want you to think about this. It is just a moment. It's just an activity. It's just an action. It's just this thing in reality. And by the way we respond, we're either empowering it to be something awful or something healing and powerful. Now, I know that's not that easy to process it that way, but I want you to think about it. You know, when you're going through hard times, I went through a trial this week, and I had to back up, and I had to tell myself, like, John, this is just a thing happening in your life. You're choosing to make it something evil because you're processing it that way. What if God is moving over here, and he's working through it this way, and it's healing you, and it's making you more like Jesus? So I have the ability, by the way I process trials through my perspective, to actually make me better, or I say, I don't understand it, I don't get it, I'm falling apart, and it will make me worse. No trial has any power over you other than that which you give it. But here's the problem, we're humans. And enduring pain is not something we're built for, amen? Amen. We naturally want to find pleasure. We naturally want to find relief. God made us as pleasure seekers. He wants us to enjoy this life. He wants us to enjoy culture and food and friends and him and oceans and orange juice and car washes and laughter and movies. And when trials come, they, they begin to suck that away and we feel pain. We're not made for that. So we naturally begin to try to move away from pain and find pleasure. And I'm not saying you shouldn't go to the beach or go camping or something to get away for a little bit. But I'm saying when we don't understand what God is doing, we begin to wear down. And we can begin to look for escapes in the wrong places, yeah? I got my vices. You got your vices. 
And naturally, we're going to think that they, they relieve if we can get there. And I don't know about you guys, man, but when I don't understand why something's happened to me, I begin to be tempted. Matthew 6, 13, that's what he's saying. Lead us not into temptation. I'm struggling, Lord. I know what the old life promises. If I'll, if I'll just go back and do that again, if I'll just look at this, if I'll just drink this, whatever it may be, I'm tempted to find comfort in these things, Lord. Lead me not into temptation. Don't let me look to sin to find relief from this trial. But deliver us from evil. Don't let me look to evil things to find relief right now, Lord. Help me find you in the storm right now. Help me not to run, Lord, but I'm feeling it. I want out of this thing. He says, cry out to me. Don't go there. So let me walk you through it just a little bit. Does everybody know where the book of James is? Go right in your Bible. Look in your index until you run into James. You don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. I'll throw the verses up here. But I want to show you what happens. I'm going to walk you through kind of what we do when we start suffering. James chapter 1, just dive in there again. Just listen if you don't have a Bible. I want to read this to you. This is what happens inside of every one of us when a trial hits and we begin to wear down and we don't understand what God is doing. And Jesus is like, man, you need to plead with me. You need to pray for more faith and more power. Pray, pray that you don't look to sin to find comfort and relief. Because you know what's a trip, guys? When I'm going through trials, here's what happens. My mind automatically knows what relieves me, and it's usually the wrong things. Sometimes it's the right things. But here's what happens. When I go there and I find temporary relief in sin, once it's over, my trial's still there, and I got a new sin. Yeah. Woo, it's hard being human. I can't wait to talk about Easter and the resurrection in heaven. Praise the Lord for a finish line. But here's what happens in James 1 when the trials get, get heavy on you. He goes like this, James 1.14. James is a hard hitter. Uh, I have struggled with James, especially in the trials. He goes like this in verse 14. But each person is tempted. And he's talking about trials. The whole book is written to people who are suffering and going through, through things. So what we start doing is we start being tempted. When he is lured. I mean, come on, James. You're going to use fishing terminology here? He's talking. How many of you guys know anything about fishing? Like, I know nothing about fishing, but I'm going to explain this to you. And if you fish, don't be coming up to me after the service and correcting my fishing analogy. He says, but each person is tempted. Man, I'm tired of this. I'm struggling. I'm so tempted. And it starts as a thought, doesn't it? You begin to process just a thought, don't you? Just, man, maybe I ought to do this. And, man, it would feel good. It's almost subconscious. You're just kind of working through this thing. Each person is tempted when he is he's lured and enticed by his own desire. I begin to desire places of comfort. Those things aren't always good. And he says, we're, we're lured. And literally, guys, here's what it is. When you take power bait, this, this is the only way I've ever been able to fish in my life. I take a little hook and I take a ball of power bait the, the, the size of a tennis ball. And I stick it around that hook. And I literally lob it out into the water to try to attack, attack and 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 draw in every fish in the lake. And this huge amount of power bait just goes. And all of a sudden what happens. Fish see it. They don't see the hook in it. They see that it looks good. And it's going to taste good for the moment. And you know what fish do. They kind of 
they do their thing, and they see the, the bait, and they pass by once, don't they? But they got an eye on it. And then they swing back by, and they see it again. Am I right? All right, just checking. There's a hook in that thing. And then they, they take a small piece, and they swim off, and it's feeling good. And they take, they take another bite. And pretty soon, it's feeling good. And then, this is what James is saying, and then they just swallow the thing. And next thing they know, they feel, they feel something. They're hooked. <laughs> They're cooked. <laughs> and that's what James is saying, you guys. I begin, to, I begin to remember that place I can go or that thing I can go, and I take that little bite, and it feels good for a minute. And then when I bite down big on it, next thing I know, like, I'm not getting any relief from my trial anymore. I'm hooked. And then he goes into a pregnancy thing in verse 15. Then desire. So you're thinking about it. Maybe I can go to this thing. It begins to grow in us. We begin to feed the thought. And then pretty soon it, it gives birth and we actually act it out. When, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, man, it brings forth death. It's going to kill something. And Jesus is saying, pray that you don't go there. You don't need to go there. And it's like, yeah, but Lord, it's so easy and natural. I go there so easily. I've gone there so long. And he's like, that's why you need prayer. Get on your knees and plead, Lord, please, please, I'm, I'm under the trial right now. Don't let me break and go after that thing. I know it kills me every time. Now, let's just bring the Satan into this for a minute. During a divine trial, man, during a trial that God is bringing to our lives to grow us, to make us more like Jesus, during those trials, it's, it's always amazing who shows up. Satan wants to get that tired old you, that wore out old you. You know, if you, you watch these uh, Discovery Channel things when you got way too much time on your hands and nothing to do, and, and you see those wolves or whatever, and, and they're chasing the caribou down, and the big caribou who are strong, or the wolves aren't worried about them. Who do they always spy out? Who are they always looking for? Who's the wolf always hunting? The small one, the weak one, the broken one, the tired one, the old one. And he begins to chase them down, and he sees that they're wearing down, and he just hits the back leg and trips them up. And then he's got him, and this is just what happens to us. Satan knows we're broken, he knows we're tired, and he wants us to get to the point where we can't see past the pain of the trial. And then that's when he pushes us and says, don't you remember that spot we go to? Don't you remember that place? Now, if you think this is, uh, this is just isolated to human beings, let me read something to you. Matthew 4, 3 when Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he had to beat the devil where Adam failed. Where Adam failed, Jesus would win. And after fasting 40 days, I go two hours without eating and I'm a total grump. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, uh, to say the least. He's starving. And who shows up when he's weak and in the trial? And the tempter came. The tempter came and he said to him, 
If you are the son of God, you know what he's saying right there? This is so low. When you got baptized, Jesus, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son. But if you're really loved by your father, this is what Satan's telling Jesus, then why are you up here starving? Why, why has he abandoned you? If you are the son of God, and watch what he does here. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Take it in your own hands. If he won't provide for you, you go make it happen. And it's always the road of sin. And Jesus is like, man, you need to pray this out. You need to find a place in this, this precious time of prayer where you ask for help and don't go down that road. So let, let's put the positive side to this because I want to leave here with such a triumphant prayer as a people of God this morning. Here's what Jesus is saying. Pray, God, help me to see that you are shaping my heart through this trial. Help me grow from it. God, help me not to go into the way of temptation to try to relieve this trial, the pain of this trial, but help me to see your hand in this and help me to use it to grow. I need to see what you're doing in this. In other words, we need to connect trials with God. Once we hit these trials, once we hit these hard times, whatever you're in right now, trials can, can bring into your life, and you need to remember this, trials can bring into your life things that are not there yet. And I'm starting to think that trials are the only thing that can bring things in my life that are not there yet. What do I mean by that? I'm incomplete right now. You're incomplete right now. I need to learn how to love. I want to be more humble. I want to care less about what people think. I want to be less tied to money. I want, I want to help people more. And God so loves us that he goes, I want to make you into that person. That's my son. That's Jesus Christ. But I don't do well just becoming humble. I don't do well just saying, John, today you just got to become more compassionate. Something has to, I have to experience something to become more humble. I have to become really prideful and fall. And get up and go, man, that was awful. Man, what were you thinking, John? And then the next time one of those situations comes about or someone goes, whoa, John, like God's really blessed you. Man, I just say to myself, uh-uh, I'm not going back there. I, I needed to experience something more. I, th I think to myself, I want to love people more. I want to I go on the journey of their suffering more and comfort them. I want to be more like Jesus in this. And the Lord says with these loving eyes looking at me with compassion, then John, you're going to have to suffer. Because when you go through something, and when you come out the other end of that trial and you see someone else suffering, you're going to feel their pain like never before and be able to help them in new ways. Uh, we'll get real real because we're San Franciscans. I want to be detached from money. Okay, move to San Francisco. Check out these rent prices. 
I don't, I don't want to worry about what's going to happen when I'm 75 years old and retirement and all this stuff. I want to be free. I don't want to, I don't want to get agitated because I don't have material things. I want to be free to dance to the Lord and, and just travel in this world and be free to God and all of this stuff. And, and God says, well, okay, we're going to have to put you through something to detach you a little bit. I can't become the me I'm supposed to be in the eyes of God until I go through trials. They begin to bring something out in my life. There's literally no way for me to become humble. Just, I'm going to be humble. Today, I'm going to be compassionate or forgiving. Unless someone hurts me, I forgive them. I hurt someone, they forgive me. That's how I see the beauty of forgiveness. Pain as a way of teaching. Look at James uh, chapter 1, verse 2, if you're, if you're local, if you're there. If not... Read it on the board here. And this is what James means. He goes, he goes like this. Here's what I need you to see in the trial. Here's the sermon. And then we're going to worship and hit the table. Here's what I need you to see in the, tri- in the trial. I need you to see that God is making you more like Jesus in the trial. So your first response isn't, I got to get out of this. I got to run over here. I'm going to find some relief in this, this, this sinful thing that I'm so accustomed to going back to. It's so familiar. No, if I can remember, and this is the prayer, if I can remember that God is trying to make me like Jesus, he's trying to teach me a lesson right here in this thing. Now it's got purpose. I just took purpose and injected it in my trial, and now I see that the trial's beginning to be used for me, and James says, now you can actually stay under the load. Because if it's making me like Jesus with clenched teeth and a painful look in the, pain, the face, now I can stay under the load because I'm like, man, there's purpose in this. God's making me more. I can do this now. He says, James, in James 1 2, James goes, Count it all joy, my brothers. Like, James, you better get real clear real quick. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. God's got trials for any avenue of life. Anything you want Jesus to do in your life, God's got a trial for you. You want, you want to be more loving? You, know, you want to be more content? He's got one for you. But here's the beauty. Verse 3. For you know, you need to remember that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. When you realize what God is doing in the trial, you can actually have the endurance because it has purpose to stay under it and let it have its full effect. That you may be perfect, that you may be mature, that you may grow into the likeness of Jesus and be complete, lacking in nothing No attribute of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is literally saying, as we go through these trials, he's saying to you this morning, he's saying through this prayer, he says, look at me. Through my suffering, I persevered. Through my suffering, I stayed on the cross for you. Because there's great purpose in my trial and pain. It was so you could become a child of God. Now I want you to stay close to me as I walk you through your trial. Don't look to sin. Don't try to find relief in sin. 
Remember what I'm doing. I'm shaping you into my image. You can do this if you remember this. We're going to end this with a collective prayer. We're going to end this by praying this together. Maybe write this down as we close this up. But I want this to be your heart's cry this morning. Whatever you're going through, don't leave him. Don't run into the things that we know will not fix pain. Instead, pray and ask him to help you remember that there's purpose in your trial. God is doing something in your heart. Remember it. Let it have its full effect. And when it ends, we will come forth like gold. Purpose in the pain. I want everyone to bow their heads this morning. And I'm going to walk us through this prayer. The band's going to come up. But this is your time with the Lord. Don't worry about anybody in this room right now. You and the Holy Spirit. Take your trial. And take this thought. God is allowing it. Because he wants to grow Jesus in you. And if you would pray in the quietness of your heart to almighty God. Something like this. The trial has me tired, God. I'm asking that this trial might not push me to sin. But push me to you. Help me to grow. Help me to learn from it. Help me to allow it make you Lord and God over my life. Help me to allow it to make me more like your son. This trial has no power over you. Only that which you give it. Pray to him. Believe in him. Worship him. 